Hello, everyone. My name is Farhan, and I am Anna. You are listening to the lessons we learned, where we dive into the lessons that Asia's best and brightest business leaders have learned in their lives. Let's dive into it. Joel, I notice that if I take myself and I complement myself with someone else that's exactly like me, uh, we are in a recipe for disaster. We have extreme optimism <laughs> and run with the ideas, but then maybe the the, no the follow-up is not going to be a- as good. But I noticed when I was able to compliment uh, myself with someone that is sort of like the opposite of me, and that actually worked well as a team. So now when I look at team members uh, and I'm hiring, one thing I always look out for is how do we complement each other? Because some of the factors are not going to change. I, I am unlikely going to change overnight. And that person is also unlikely going to change overnight. So what is important is, other than evaluating for domain expertise, which is important, eh, to find out whether um, the structure of that person or the, the makeup of that person, does it complement with me or does it complement my team? And if that if that thing complements well, actually one plus one uh, will be equals three, right, rather than two. How you allocate resources? Because, um, you know, don't care how much we have raised, like resource is finite effectively, right? So we have to put resources in the best place that gives us the best return on investment. And if you take that logic, then you would always, always put your resources and investments into something that works for sure. So you would see that the existing business, which is currently the lion share, uh, would get a lot of resources. But that would mean that you lose out on new ways and new opportunities to work with the customers. So, and, and that's actually one one main reason why major companies fail. And that, that was what they mentioned in the podcast, right? So for us, I think we need to make certain deliberate actions to, to tell ourselves that um, we need to carve out certain things because we believe in that, that it has future value that that you know will give us ROI maybe not now in this quarter uh, but in future so I think in the podcast they talk about like uh, optimizations optimizations is a simple way to spend your resources and you will get the best ROI however you don't do disruptive changes so we need to have a good balance in, in the finite resources that we have how do we still have good optimization because that will give us constant ROI and growth but at the same time be investing in things that might be disruptive or help us expand either our merchant pool or our user pool. So those are things that um, we constantly need to like watch ourselves for, right? Because if we just look at a pure numbers, numbers um, perspective, then actually we might be missing the the, the bigger picture. So that I, I think is something that, that we always ask ourselves if we don't do this, like what will happen or what's the trade-off that we have to take? Yeah. Anna? I would say that, I think, which is exactly the point that I brought up to when people feel that they become invincible and that they think that, wow, okay, you know, I've tasted success and success is going to be always on my side. I, I think it is usually failures that make a person better. Uh, the, the failures, like... Like, uh, you know, and being hands on, I, I think for micro businesses, why they become so, why they were so successful at the start is because they are very hands on, you know, like, and then they, at the end of the day, the unit economics is right. Why? Because you do from home. Your home, what kind of rental you, you have, right? Your manpower is just your own, you know, your own, and then 
which you're not supposed to use your helper. But yeah, so it's supposed to be your own, you know, and think like things like that. And and that that also and you are very personable, you know, as a business, right? So as you grow, you probably a lot of people will say, Yeah, I can just open a shop, I can hire people and I go and I can go back to my full time job. But actually Running a business, you have to be hands-on. You have to be full-time. You have to be there with it to, to really understand and know uh, what is it that, that makes your customers come back and, and are you hungry enough? I feel generally the issue is that most people are not hungry enough because there's always something to fall back on. Like like when I, I still remember when I signed the lease, when I sat at Raffles City, the lease at that time was like $10,000 for a 500-square-feet shop. I remember sitting there and then, then before I signed, I told myself, I said, this is it, you know, I'm going to give it my all for the next three years, you know, before I signed. I told myself that, you know, I said, and 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 there's like a lot to lose because why you actually have put together all your savings and everything and you're actually in debt with like, you know, all your friends and your family who actually believed in you and everything. So I, I think the problem now is everyone has got a lot of options. There's a lot of options, you know, like, it's okay, you know, like, uh, I don't like, I can go and do something else. I can do something else, you know. You're, you have a lot of options in what you do. So, I think that hunger is is like, it's a little bit like muted. The the hunger to, to, to make it work per se, it's a little bit muted. I feel that that has a part to play with why um, when businesses try to scale, they, they don't do as well. You can actually see that like that 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 mentality and that attitude right it carries through even from very young it's not as if you know i suddenly just woke up and just be like that right you know and that 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 tenacity and that and that and that passion and that greed right i mean that 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 is that is who i am you, you know so yeah it, somehow i maybe would have done it even better i wouldn't have taken 20 years to build Mm. you know the company to where it is if maybe I am more savvy you know if I started my business I will be more savvy you know and it was things were very different then you know um, 20 years ago compared to now yeah I will probably be better at raising money better at you know doing all those things that would make a difference to my business and not had to you know now last time it's called setting up business now everybody is called a startup I want to thank our sponsor for this season, Leonica K Trichology. I've been to one treatment and it's one of the best pampering sessions I've had. The hair massage is divine and the products are formulated by Leonica herself who has over two decades of experience in trichology. If you're looking for a solution to your hair problems, whether it's an oily scalp, postpartum hair loss or dry hair or just want to treat yourself to self-care, I highly recommend Leonica K. The boutique is at Vocal Hotel and you can check them out at leonicak.com. The link is also in the show notes. Magnus Grimlin. We look for three things. Um, spike, so something that they are better on than most other people, um, right? So, um, uh, you know, to make an example, you might have friends who walk into an elevator with 10 strangers and when the elevator hits the bottom floor, uh, they're friends with all of them, right? Or they make strong connections with people. Um, so perhaps they're good at sales, good at building trust. That's a spike. And then you have other friends who you might invite them out every Friday to go and grab a drink, but instead they want to go home and um, 
do some coding in a specific language uh, together with a bunch of friends they met at Reddit, right? So they're very deep into a specific type of coding language. But you want to identify some spike that these individuals are better at than most other people. Um, and then they can utilize that as a founder. And if you have a founder team of, with people with different spikes, it, it's just incredible. Um, so we don't look for people to be great at everything, but great at one thing. or um, And then we don't care really if they're not that good at other things. So, And you look at that. If you look at great founders, any great founder you you meet, you can kind of see they're kind of a bit quirky individuals sometimes. Mm-hmm. And especially if you spend real time with them. And you probably see that if you spend real time with me as well. But but there's a few things they're just better at than most other people. So that's one spike. Two is drive. And drive is a combination of kind of passion, ambition, and ability to execute. It's I think drive is very often confused with passion. But being passionate about something just doesn't move the lead at all, right? Like you probably all have very passionate I have passionate friends who for years have been talking about like solving this problem or doing this specific thing and they never do it, right? Like um so let's take this podcast for example. I also have a lot of friends who've been very passionate about launching a podcast, <laughs> but they will never ever do it. But you guys decided to kind of execute on it. Um, so it needs to be a combination of passion with an ambition to actually achieve something and having the ability to execute. So that, that's what we call drive. But the passion part of it is important because building a business is so hard that unless you're a little bit passionate about what you're doing, you're just going to typically kind of burn out and, and uh, at some point and, and not end up succeeding because you always hit the wall at some point with a business. And the third is grit. And that is... Probably the most overlooked, I think, part when people invest in startups. You might have like an amazing person with tremendous amount of drive, um, but then they just give up too early, right? Mm-hmm. So think about the master of not giving up, and probably I guess now still the world's richest man, Elon Musk, right? He, he, he. When he built SpaceX, he kept blowing up. Uh, PayPal almost went bankrupt multiple times. Um, Tesla has gone, I think, almost bankrupt seven times. He tried to sell it to Google and Apple in the early days. He put all his money into this stuff. He was sleeping on the couch, working 100, 120-hour weeks. Most people would have just given up, right, when none of this stuff was working, right? They couldn't sell any cars because they hadn't produced any cars yet. They couldn't send any rockets to space because it, they all kept blowing up. You know, most people just give up. So a lot, many of, many times, it's not actually the the best team that wins, but it's the team that just didn't didn't give up, mm-hmm. right? So, so you need all of those three characteristics: spike, drive, and grit. And the great thing is that none of that stuff you're born with, right? Like you you can develop a spike, uh, you can develop drive, and you can build mental resilience, right? So, I think that's what's so great about entrepreneurship is you just got to create equal opportunity. And I think that's one thing that we are doing, which is why we back like we back people with, you know, my type of background who was lucky to get into, you know, an Ivy League college and have, you know, done all this stuff. But we also back people who kind of grew up in a slum in Mumbai and then uh, uh, got a job early on in Flipkart, worked well up in Flipkart, and now they want to build something new. 
35% of our portfolio has a female co-founder versus mm. I think 2.9% of global venture capital going to women. Why is that? Well, it's just because we just look for great people. We look at the intrinsics um, and we know that if we back great people that has the right uh, spike driving grit, they will succeed in building great companies because we can provide the networks. Right? I think historically, building a business has been much easier if you have the right networks. Um, and it still is that way. But we can provide all of those, right? Like we can make an introduction to any VC in the world. We can make an introduction to almost any company, uh, any advisor you need to help build your business. So it really comes down then to the intrinsic strength of the people, which is why I think we see much more diversity in the founders that we back. But you can never go into a new task with the mindset being that failure is an option. So you always, like, I really think that anyone who's building something and want to achieve something, failure should be one of their most um, hated words. Because if you think you might fail, the likelihood of failing is just much higher. Right? So let me give a couple of examples. So when, um, when we were doing the selection for the Navy SEALs, uh, whether you're doing the special forces training here in, in Singapore or in Norway or in the US, there's hundreds if not thousands of people every year who want to become a special forces operator. And some of them are insanely well trained. Like you have national champions, Olympic medalists, like whatever, because it's, you know, if you're in the military, it's kind of one of the coolest things to do. So a lot of people want to do it. Now, the only thing that brings you through that type of selection uh, process is the mindset that you cannot fail because it's so hard at so many points in time, right? So you're, you're, you know, you go ten days without food. Um, you'll be woken up with tear gas. You will be, um, uh, you know, in your life multiple times during you know six six months period of selection and training, and it's only the top you know, 2%, 1%, 2% make it through. And it's not the ones who necessarily had, were the fittest or the smartest. It's the people who just went in there and said, hey, I'm not going to fail. Failure is not an option. No matter what, I'm going to go through this. Um, and then you might still fail because of injury and so on. But if you go in with that mindset, you, your likelihood of failing is just much lower. And it's the same in building a business, right? You, If you go in there and think, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, to do a podcast and then uh, you uh, think that, you know, I might fail. When you hit the wall a couple of times, um, it's going to be much easier to give up. Or with Solora, right? Like, you know, in the early days, we, let, we launched in Indonesia and, uh, you know, it cost us a lot to acquire customers and then none of them had bank cards. So they couldn't really pay for products. They had to pay through bank transfer. And uh, we had to set up this checkout process where you'd go on the website, you'd check out some clothes, and uh, you'd uh, get a code. And you had to go to your bank, pay, and then get the code and go back to the computer, enter the code, and uh, and then you'd check out, right? Which literally took me that to check out online, it took you kind of three to four hours because you had to go to the bank. So we had 85% cancellation rate or so on those orders. And that's a big, you know, if you can't serve a market, if, you, if it costs you like $20 to acquire a customer and it's 85% cancellation rate mm -hmm. on those customers, 
is you just don't have a business, right? And uh, you know, if if we thought failure was an option, we just given up, and a lot of people did, right? But we instead found a way to launch cash and delivery and other ways to do payment systems. So you gotta go in there with the mindset being failure is not an option. Um, and there's a few ways I think in which you can build that mindset. Um, you want to talk about? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I think you know everyone should have their own method. Yeah. I think the one of the best ways to create that failure is not a mindset. A failure is not an option mindset. Is uh, create social pressure, right? So, you know, um, when uh, we were building Antler, I told everyone what we're doing, uh, <laughs> and I brought in. My entire family, um, all of my friends, everyone I worked with in business, um, I said, "Hey, you know, we're going to build this thing. We're going to support founders all across the globe to to, to build great companies." Um, now we're in six continents, twenty-five cities, and we're supporting thousands of founders every year. And um, um, but at the time, it was just an idea, right? Uh, but I told everyone, "This is what we're going to do." In 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 five years, we're going to be global. We're going to support founders everywhere, um, and we're going to be in 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 many of these markets the go-to place to to uh, uh, to get uh, your first bit of funding. Um, and then, if you look at my Instagram, my Facebook, my LinkedIn, it's all about Antler. We're very clear about what we're trying to achieve. Uh, we have funds that you know a lot of my f- friends uh you know people i worked with my family has invested into i invested into myself it's pretty clear that like i've used every single line of credit social credit that i have to to pull antler off right and um you know so that just means that it's it's very very hard for me to ever even consider that this will be a failure right because like i'll disappoint my entire like Network. there's nobody I don't know <laughs> that I will not disappoint. So that's one way of doing it. Um, when I was doing the military thing, I literally it was a different mental model. I was just thinking, okay, you should just imagine like you're in jail during the selection process. <laughs> and if you're in jail, what you can't get out, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and then I just so you just create that kind of mental box where. So I think those are a couple of techniques. There are, um, you know, obviously meditation. Uh, there are many ways you can get there, but I think people should look inward and say, hey, you know, when I really decided to do something and failure was not an option, how did I build that mental resilience? And if you have that, the chance and likelihood of building a great business is going to be much higher. Leonica. It was a very hard decision. It was like at about 12 years of the marriage and I'm like, I think, I think it's better for me to, you know, um, separate and... Uh, better for the children as well because how my emotionally feeling I think they would feel it too so better to have a maybe happy mommy than in the situation where I feel very stuck life very sort of like stuck and so that decision making I think that was my hardest decision making time to say I think the marriage has to end then we have to go separate way um I was hoping that everything else still remain, like the children not being affected so much. Um, I don't want to fight about anything. And um, so I wanted it to be a very amicable kind of like parting. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't easy because even for my parents, they were like saying to me, 
it was a perfect marriage. There wasn't anything wrong. Why do you want to, you know, uh, and, and I'm the one that is making the move decision there. I think I can't continue with uh, the marriage. Ah. So my parents were really against it and they were like pushing me to care. Hey, please, please, please. But I think we went through few years of counselling as well. And at the end of the day, I learned something from the counsellor as to say you have to admit your own emotion. You cannot just say, okay, let's go back because everybody expects you to. Then you are uh, just postponing the issue maybe. And so I guess that sort of like helped me to eventually say after maybe three years of seeing different sets of uh, counsellors to say, I think that's my decision. I have to face up to what I feel and uh, finally say, yeah, that's a quit. Somehow I feel that it's an internal voice or feeling to say, hey, you have to do it otherwise. Um, that Because at one period I was feeling a bit like day in, day out, day in, day out. There's no existence. So there's no meaning kind of thing. Yeah. So why life? Why, you know? So the why thing that comes in. Yeah. Have yeah. you found your why in life now? Not really. So so <laughs> so it's very funny. It's like you're going through process of very tough time, then you uh putting yourself into really lots of thinking and then you realize that even you if you find why or some answers, um is that important? Actually, no. It's how you move on that is more important and maybe find a certain, certain calm, certain contentment and all that. That's more important than, yes, why I'm here, you know. Um, because I'm not so spiritual. I'm more towards maybe the Taoism or Buddhism kind of thing, the thinking, the philosophy. La, that, okay, we're here. You don't ask to be here, but you're here. So it's important to know why because if you keep digging, you may actually find yourself very tangled as well. So, okay, we're here. Um, just make every day pleasant and, you know, you wake up and you can smile and you are looking forward to a day, kind of, because you don't know when it's going to end. I want to thank our sponsor for this season, Leonica K Trichology. I've been to one treatment and it's one of the best pampering sessions I've had. The hair massage is divine and the products are formulated by Leonica herself who has over two decades of experience in trichology. If you're looking for a solution to your hair problems, whether it's an oily scalp, postpartum hair loss or dry hair or just want to treat yourself to self-care, I highly recommend Leonica K. The boutique is at Vocal Hotel and you can check them out at leonicak.com. The link is also in the show notes.